I don't care if God ever shows me that this is for my good. I get to believe it. It's part of me. It's down in my toes. It's what the Bible says. Don't take that away from me. If, if God takes all, it takes everything, leave me the scriptures and don't let me ever doubt them. He could sit at the pulpit and make it feel like he was just in his living room with a bunch of friends, just telling stories, but in a way that he would be taking these complex biblical truths and communicating them in such a way that a first grader could understand. It was just so natural, it was just a conversation. Like every lesson, because it was so natural, felt like every lesson was like a light bulb moment. Anytime I had a question about a spiritual truth, I could come to him anytime throughout the week and he always made me feel like I was giving him a gift just by asking. Welcome to the Timeless Gospel Podcast. I'm your host, Faith Ann, and Larry Horton was my dad. The deepest connection I had with my dad was through his teaching of the gospel. My dad communicated grace more deeply and simply than most. These sermons came to be preserved through my dear Aunt Shirley, who, in the early 80s, requested that my dad's sermons be recorded on cassette tapes and mailed to her so that she could be edified from five states away. When Larry died and went home to be with the Lord in 2019, my Aunt Shirley came to the funeral and brought with her the very sermons this podcast was created to showcase. The remaining sermons were preached in the early 2000s at the church he pastored until he died. His children's prayer is that you will come to Christ through these sermons, or if you already are a Christian, be edified and comforted, as so many were during his life. Episode 12 features a sermon from 2009 and will be the last of the sermons from this time period for a while. The next episode will take us back to the late 80s, where Larry will continue his study in Romans 2. At the end of this sermon, instead of commentary, I've asked my niece, Larry's granddaughter, to play It Is Well With My Soul, which she graciously agreed to do so. You'll hear It Is Well With My Soul immediately after the sermon on the piano. Don't forget you can email me at thetimelessgospel at gmail.com. I want to tell you eight reasons why a Christian will find comfort in this sermon. The sermon's title is 33 Things That Happen to the Believer at Salvation. Reason number eight a Christian should listen to this sermon. If you feel unimportant to God as a Christian, please listen. If, being saved, you worry that your sin displeases God, this sermon will comfort you. If you believe you are under the law, dear friend, listen to this sermon. Do you feel surrounded by darkness? The sermon will bring light. If you don't believe you have complete access to God or Christ, then hear the words of this sermon. If you feel out of fellowship with other believers, listen to the sermon. Do you feel disconnected with your Heavenly Father? Hear what happens to you at salvation. And finally, do you think you lack spiritual blessings? Here is Larry's sermon preached in 2009 on 33 things that happen to the believer at salvation. We're old-fashioned here. And we just got the Bible, and, and we come together, and we try to learn something, hopefully, uh, as we meet together, either from, from others or from the teacher or whoever. But it's all centered around this book. The reason I bring this up is, <clears throat> in 1971, I taught a tremendous series of lessons from uh, the outline was from uh, uh, Lewis Berry Schaefer, Dallas Seminary, in the Systematic Theology books. Then uh, I uh, 
gave those books to a friend of Linda's, uh, a starving seminary student at Dallas, and I knew he had to have them to graduate. You, you have to have these they're textbooks at Dallas Seminary. And I, so then I've lost, I've lost track of these great set, this great set of books I had. Anything you want to know is in those books, anything. And I don't guess I cared enough about it to buy some more, but nevertheless, last, last summer, Linda, for my birthday, gave me, uh, those, bought me those books, a set of, of Schaefer's Systematic Theology, which fits right into our study on grace as we've been going through it. We said last week, we looked last week that number three on our top three, the bottom one, the number three, is that God saved us by his grace for good works. Now, secondly, starting this morning, God saves us by his grace, secondly, to bless us. So that's, that's what I want to stop and spend a couple of weeks on or maybe longer. This lesson that I taught in 1971, the word thrilled or excited is too strong a word. But I'm very happy and pleased to bring that very same lesson this morning. And that was my point of, of everything passing us by. Here I am teaching something that's, that's uh, in my experience, 40 years old. I don't know when it was written. But yet I think it's still an excellent study for us uh, here this morning. What I want to do for you that are taking notes, some of you take notes, I know. Don't write this down. We're going to go over these one by one by one by one, and you can write them down then. Secondly, I'm going to give you this outline. We're talking about the, 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 the basis of our study is that God has saved us by his grace to bless us. God works in us and for us. The, the work that God does for us is something that is not felt or experienced. But I believe that to be the most important thing that God does in our salvation. But there are a lot of things that God does in us. And these things can be felt and experienced. There's 33 things. I'm calling them things, but I could use another word, I, guess, I suppose. But I'm going to say, say things. There's 33 things that happens to us simultaneously, absolutely. In other words, there's no progression. When God saved you, there were 33 things we find from Scripture that happened immediately. And absolutely, totally. You don't grow into these things. All you can do is learn about them. But they're, they're, they're true. Positional things and, and, and practical things. But whether you know them or not, that's, that's what they are. So what we want to do in this... In our outline is, is number two, God saved us for good works. Number three, God saved us. Number two, for blessings. I want to uh, go over 33 things that God did exactly at the same time and all together. Now, I want to read you these 33 things. You do not have to write them down because we're going to go back and look at them one by one. And plus, I'm going to give you the outline. But here are the 33 things. Number one, the riches of divine grace. In the eternal plan of God, number two, redeemed. Number three, reconciled. Related to God through propitiation, forgiveness, all trespasses. Finally united to Christ for the judgment of the old man unto a new walk. That's so important. We're going to spend a lot of time there this morning. And we're going to spend a lot of time there when this whole study is finished. We're going to go back to this. Number seven, free from the law. God has placed us free from the law. And number seven is, we're free from the law. And then number seven is, we're free from the law. Free 
from the law. Number eight, we're children of God. We're adopted. Number 10, we're acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Now, we have uh, the subsets here. I'll even read those. On number 10, we're acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. The subsets number A is made righteous. Number two, sanctified positionally, perfected forever, made accepted in the beloved, made meet. Number 11, justified. Number 12, made nigh. Number 13, delivered from the power of darkness. 14, translated into the kingdom of the Son of His love. Number 15, on the rock, Christ Jesus. Number 16, a gift from God the Father to Christ. We talked about that last week. What do you give a man who has everything? Or say it in another, th another way, what would you give to someone who could create 10,000 universes in the next minute? The Father gave Christ me. And the Father gave Christ you. Someone who could, could, could create another universe and all that's in it, but he gave you to Christ. Number 17, circumcised in Christ. 18, partakers of the holy and royal priesthood. 19, a chosen generation, a holy nation, a peculiar people. 20, a heavenly citizen. 21, of the family and household of God. Number 22, I like this. In the fellowship of the saints. This is all absolute. This is absolute. Yeah, I don't particularly care for you maybe, but, but we, have, we, have, we have fellowship in the saints. We're, we're, we're one. We're, we're brothers and sisters. We're, we're going to spend eternity together. Number 23, a heavenly association. Partners with Christ in life. Partners in partnership in position, partners with Christ in service, partners with Christ in suffering, partners with Christ in prayer, partners with Christ as betrothed, partners in expectation. There, there are things that believers can expect. Yes, it's all by God's grace, but, but as believers, we can expect certain things from God because of our position in Christ, because of God in his relationship to us, we can expect certain things. We have access to God. Total and complete access to, to the maker of heaven and earth. Subset. Access into his grace. Access unto the Father. Access in, reassur in, in reassuring. Number 25. Within the much more care of God. We're objects of his love. We're objects of his grace, salvation, safekeeping, service, in instruction. Objects of his power. Object of his faithfulness, object of his peace, objects of his uh, conciliation, objects of his intercession. We're going to look at all of that as far as the blessings that we have uh, because God saved us by his grace. His inheritance, that's Christ's inheritance. The inheritance of the saints being the light of the world, vitally united to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. We talked about this Friday night. Now, we are not gods. We are not little gods. And we're never going to be little gods. We're always going to be people. That's just so. So don't throw rocks. But in the mind of God, you can say with all assurance that we are part. This is how great we are. How great our salvation is. That we are, that, that clock can't, possibly be right. 
think about this now. And it's, this is not heresy. You're a person. You're not, you're, not, you're not gods. You're not little gods. But in a real way, you are part of the Godhead only in the fact that you are in the mind of the Godhead. You're, as long as God is, and as long as God will be, he's got you and has had you on his mind. Number 26, his inheritance. Number 27, the inheritance of the saints. Number 28, the light of the world. We're vitally united to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. How can, how can, you, be any, how can you be any better than that? Why don't we walk around believing that? Rather than being all caught up in how bad we are, or all caught up in how good we are. We're blessed with the earnest or first fruits of the Spirit. We're glorified. If you remember that chain, that, that golden chain, that divine golden chain, chain of Romans chapter 8, glorified is in the past tense. We're glorified. We're glorified in Christ. Christ is glorified in us. Blessed with the earnest or first fruits of the Spirit, we're glorified. We're complete in Him, possessing every spiritual blessing. So that's where we're going to go in the next few weeks. I had mentioned in our these 33 things that we're going to be talking about uh, happened absolutely, and at the same time, I, I think I'll disagree with this first one, but let's don't let's don't get picky about it, because this is a very important truth. And the first one that Mr. Schaefer brings up is, and now you can write this down if you want to. Uh, the, the first of the 33, and these aren't in any any way of importance; they're just they're just thrown out there. But we have been placed in the eternal plan of God. I'm not going to get into that just to mention it, because I'm sure that Charles is going to be uh, going over these things. Uh, uh, many times in his lessons, so we're not going to spend a lot of time here. I just want to read you three or four words that has to do with, in the scriptures, that has to do with the fact that we are in the eternal plan of God. We have a, a, a term that we use for us humans that we, we can't do any better. This is the best we can come up with, even though they're, I think they're contradictory terms. They're, they're contradictory words. But the only, it's kind of the only way we can think about it. We, we think of eternity and those things that happen in the past, we call that eternity past. And then those things are going to happen in the future. We talk about that as eternity future. Well, in my thinking, that, that, that can't be, but that's the best you can do with our human brain. But so if you can think about in eternity past and all through your life, in eternity future, you, are, you have been placed, we have been placed in the eternal plan and purpose of God. Now these th these thirty three things that we're going to talk about, we're not going to have we're not going to have any any debate about it. Everybody, we're not going to have any arguments. You can bring up you can you can bring up comments and questions, but you can't argue with what I just read. These things are absolutes. So we're not going to have any arguments except for what you just brought up, and then we can we can argue about it. There's lots of things that can come into that's a very complex question. Let me just say. Uh, in good Baptist terms, Garland, help me out here, is that when God saved you, okay, let's just say that, because we talk about regeneration, but, but I believe we were, we were regenerated before we became converted, that we, before we experienced salvation. So it's a real quagmire as far as I'm concerned. The more important things that God does for, for you is not part of your experience. That's something you must believe, and it's imperative that you believe it. But then there are things that we do experience and feel. We acknowledge and are, 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 we glorify God for Christ's death on the cross. Absolutely. 
But how much more power is there in the understanding of this all happening in the mind of God, which there is no make-believe, which is real, uh, is, is the real reality, is what God says, and that this was all done before the foundation of the world. So Paul, while he's out there killing Christians, was in the plan and purpose of God uh, to preach the gospel to the Gentiles uh, when he's putting Christians in jail. That was all part of, of, of Christ was already uh, crucified with Christ before the foundation of the world. These uh, five words, scriptural words, that have to do with us being in the eternal plan of God, and I, I'm not going to get into them because I think probably Charles will, but the word forno, it's an important word that we understand what that means. Garland brought a, a lesson on that some uh, some time ago. It's an excellent lesson on the word forno. Doesn't mean knowing things in the, in the future. The next word is predestination. The next word is the next is elect of God, chosen, and called. So these are really good words for us subsets to understand that we are part of the eternal and in the eternal plan of God. Secondly, we are redeemed, and let's just skip over it for time's sake. You understand that, but what? But we, we, we. I want to make sure that all of us understand what the word redeemed means. Let's turn to Romans chapter 3, being justified, verse 24, 324, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And, and we, have, we have a whole book of the Bible. The things that happen in this book happen for real. They happen in reality. But they are given for mine and your instructions in the New Testament as a picture, as an illustration of, of truly what redemption is. The book of Exodus is a book concerning redemption. If you know the book of Exodus, you know what redemption means. But, but, but especially Exodus. Hosea, you got the first three chapters, and after that it gets really bad. Golly, that's an awful book after the first three chapters. But uh, let us turn to uh, Exodus chapter 14. We have been placed in the eternal plan of God. And we have been redeemed. Verse 29 of Exodus 14. But the children of Israel walked upon dry land in the midst of the sea, and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. And Israel saw the great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians, and the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. That is, uh, the picture's worth a thousand words. There's your picture. That is what redemption is. Everything negative, everything that's sinful, everything that, that is bad that you've ever experienced or that you ever will experience is Egypt. And the Lord brought you through, through the blood of Christ, through the salvation, through the cross, brought you through the sea without getting wet. And now you're on the other side and there's not a hoof going to be left in Egypt. Not one hoof left in Egypt. Not even a cow, not even the foot of a cow is going to be left in Egypt. You are saved completely and totally. And that's what God has done in redeeming you. Another good picture of redemption is read the first three chapters of Hosea. It's a beautiful picture of how awful and how bad you really are and how God has redeemed you from the slave market. One, one quote from uh, 
uh, Schofield and then, uh, was it Tom? That, Tom? One quote uh, in his notes, redemption, the Exodus is a type. Summary. Exodus is the book of redemption and teaches redemption is holy of God. Redemption is through a person. Redemption is by blood. Uh, redemption is by power. Got all that working for you. As Levi says, we got all that going for us. It's just amazing what salvation is, and it's amazing what, what God has done uh, for you and for me. And, we, and, and so many bless their hearts, these poor people that come to, that go to God's Word and, and are just convicted by it, are just all wrought up in what they're supposed to do, and, and they can't do it. And, 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 and it's, it's awful. When we got all this wonderful uh, knowledge that we can understand about who we are in Christ, and, and as we go through here, uh, to realize that there's not a hoof left in Egypt. That's so important. I mean, there, the redemption, there's nothing 90% about it. It's 100%. It's total. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. The book of Romans 8 starts out with there's no condemnation. And at the end of Romans 8, there's no separation. It starts with no condemnation and ends with no separation. It's total. So we've been redeemed. The horse and the rider. All the power of Egypt is on top of your shoulders. And all you can do is say, yes, master, and go to work. And God comes in and redeems them from that. Because, why? Because of his promise, because of the old patriarch Abraham, because of Jacob. Thirdly, we've been reconciled. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As through God did, though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us. We're going, that's where we're going next. Sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So, uh, reconciliation, uh, do, do we all understand uh, what, what that is? Uh, we, we, we become reconciled over and over and over. You husbands and wives ought to know all about this. Have a big fight, then you become reconciled. That's a, it's a good feeling, is it not? That's good, a friendship uh, somewhere that, that's been uh, skewed. Uh, and you're reconciled, it's over. Uh, all these different uh, ways you can put it. It's just a, a, a getting back together. Uh, we were lost in Adam, we're, we're found in Christ. That God was in Christ reconciled. Well, yeah, but you see why I didn't do that. Because now it's going to take another five minutes to, under, to, to explain the word world. Let me just say this. We're going to skip the word world. Just let me say this. That your reconciliation, the reconciliation for believers, they're not believers, but the reconciliation for the elect that become believers is of the heart. It's, it's of your heart. Don't, do you not love God? Do you not love Christ? Do you not love his, lo love his law, love his word? Do you not love all this? Do you not love the saints? Do you not love the church? Do you not, has, has not salvation changed your life? Well, well, something happened for that to happen because you're a no good, sorry person. Something had to happen. And what happened was you've been reconciled to God by the work of Jesus Christ and God has worked that in you, in you, on in your heart. And so, and so now, yeah, we, we're going to get there. And so now, and so now, uh, we love God. What a what a blessing! And 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 aren't you uh, thankful that here in this place, 
that uh, this is old news to you. I thank God every day that 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 people talk about grace, and I understand it. I uh, say, so, well, that's just that's just for beginners. That's just for babes. No, it's not. It's it, it's just what I it's what I love. It's what you love to hear what God has done for you. That's uh, that's for we've been reconciled. The believers, we, we've heard this throughout all the books except maybe Romans. Uh, well, especially in Corinth, and maybe I'm reading too much history into it, but in Corinth, those people, uh, I, I used to think Corinth was just a, a you know, pretty good, pretty good book until I until I taught it, and you, you have to question: is, is this really a church? Is it? Are these people really Christians that would act the way they did in Corinth? And that could, you could very well be that, that Paul is on a subject talking about something that they're so far away from that he's trying to bring them back to correctness. And that is just another, another part of our reconciliation. And we'll stop there with, with number three. So we've got 30 more to go. And they're all, they're, every one of them is just great. So uh, we'll, we'll start our study next week with number four. Thank you for listening to the Timeless Gospel Podcast.